Ah, welcome to Movie Magic. We would be honored if you would join us. Five, six, eight. Five, one thousand. Four, one thousand. Three, one thousand. I am the father. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Are you one of those single tier people? All the dogs in King's Landing howl through the night. They cry out for their true queen. Name's Bond, James Bond. One of them leads to the castle at the center of the labyrinth, and the other one leads to certain death. <gasps> Go ahead, make my day. He sounds like quite a man. A passenger has died on the train. Who gave the order to kill me? Movie Magic with Colin Gomez, Money FM, 89.3. Commence primary ignition. When I watched a James Bond film for the very first time, I wanted very much to be like the super spy. And I'm sure many men around the world wanted to be James Bond. But you know who was the first who wanted to be like James Bond? Ian Fleming, the man who gave us this fictional character. But is James Bond a character based on Fleming himself? Well, let's find out right here on Movie Magic. James Bond was Ian Fleming's baby, born of nothing but of his imagination. He was one of the few British male authors who wrote about his espionage. His past history of wartime intelligence fueled his fiction. He wasn't shy in front of the camera as he was quite a good-looking chap. Most of his portraits have him smoking a cigarette or holding a cigarette between his fingers. The earlier James Bond movies had Sean Connery smoking in quite a few scenes. However, Ian Fleming was worse than his fictional character. He chain-smoked. He would light his 17th cigarette of the day while writing his first novel, and it's also reported that he had four times that many on a typical day. Both Bond and Fleming liked to drink, and drink heavily they did. Even when Daniel Craig plays the character, there's always alcohol. And a funny scene is when Daniel Craig's Bond was asked by a bartender in a scene how he would like his martini shaken or stirred, the audience, like me, was anticipating the line, shaken, but instead he said, I don't care. James Bond is attractive to women, and so was Ian Fleming, and both were womanizers. Ian Fleming kind of calmed down after his marriage in 1952 at the age of 43 to Anne Geraldine Chatiers. However, it was his affair with this lady that led to his divorce from Viscount Rothermere. James Bond's date of birth was never given. And maybe that's because Ian Fleming wanted him to be a super spy to all his readers for generations to come. But Ian Fleming once awarded his own birth date, 18th May 1908, to the arch-criminal Ernst Strava Blofeld. Now, he's the bald villain who has a cut across his right eye and is seen stroking a cat in many scenes. Now, you see this similar character in Austin Powers, which is a parody of many Bond films. But it has been said that James Bond lied about his age in order to qualify for active service in World War II. Ian Fleming, like I said, was in active service as well. But I don't think he lied about his age. Movie Magic with Colin Gomez, Money FM 89.3. Valentine Fleming was Ian's father and he was killed in active duty during World War I when Ian was just nine years old. 
James Bond's parents died in a climbing accident when he was very young as well. Both James Bond and Ian Fleming attended Eton and excelled in athletics. James Bond's height was six feet, and so was Ian Fleming. The two also share the same hairstyle and eye color as well. That's why when Daniel Craig's name was contracted to play the role of James Bond back in 2005, nearly everyone in the film industry and press was disappointed as one, he's blonde, and two, he's 5 feet 10 inches. Not quite the ideal James Bond height, but his acting and toughness silenced the critics. Back to Ian Fleming, the creator of Bond. The most interesting parallels have always been based upon his career during World War II. You see, Ian Fleming rose to the rank of Lieutenant Commander in the Royal Navy Volunteer Reserve. And guess what? So does James Bond, and the two worked directly for the Director of Naval Intelligence. Ian Fleming was also in charge of Operation Golden Eye, an intelligence and sabotage initiative in Spain. And a number of 30 commando units, also known as Assault Unit 30, which was an intelligence gathering unit. He also consulted on T-Force, and in that, the operations greatly influenced the action in his third Bond novel back in 1955 titled Moonraker, which, as you know, was made into a movie starring Roger Moore as James Bond. Now, there's one person that was influential to Ian Fleming's novel writing. Who is this person? That's next after this song from the movie Moonraker. Money FM 89.3. That's Shirley Bassey with a theme from the 1979 Bond film Moonraker. Shirley Bassey is the only singer to perform more than one James Bond song. She also did Goldfinger, Diamonds Are Forever, and that one you just heard, Moonraker. Hi, I'm Colin Gomez, and it's part two of James Bond on Movie Magic, and it's a lead-up to the latest and most anticipated Bond movie, No Time to Die. Last weekend, I featured all the actors that donned the tux, drank the shaken and not stirred martini, drove the fancy cars with the gadgets, and went by the codename 007. Yes, Bond. James Bond. This weekend, we look at the life of the creator of the series, Ian Fleming. During World War II, Ian Fleming confided that he hoped to write a spy novel. So he gathered the stories of all the secret agents and commandos he met during the war. Like himself, his brother Peter Fleming was instrumental in the behind-the-lines operations in Norway and Greece. In the post-war years, Ian Fleming took on jobs as a journalist. To get away from everything and to be in a good spot where he could write all his novels, he went to his Golden Eye estate in Jamaica and wrote Casino Royale in a little more than two months. However, it took him three tries to get the first sentence of Casino Royale right. Here's how it went. Scent and smoke and sweat hit the taste buds. That gave way to scent and smoke and sweat can suddenly combine together and hit the taste buds with an acid shock. That ended up in the waste paper basket too. And then finally, the scent and smoke and sweat of a casino are nauseating at three in the morning. And with that sentence, he began writing his novel on January 15, 1952, typing out 2,000 words a day on his imperial typewriter. 
He finished his novel slightly over two months later on, on March 18th. He then sent his manuscript, after showing it to some of his friends, to William Plummer, the South African novelist, poet and liberist, who recommended it to publishers Jonathan Cape. They said yes and printed a very modest first run. Within a month, 5,000 copies were sold in Britain, and James Bond was on nearly everybody's lips as they spoke about the super spy. Ironically, it didn't do well in the U.S. Maybe because James Bond wasn't that interesting. He was an extremely dull person, and according to what Ian Fleming told The New Yorker in 1962, he wanted Bond to be a blunt instrument. Well, it doesn't show that in the movies, does it? You see, in the first book, there were no efforts made by the publishers or editors to have Ian Fleming sex up the actions or attitudes of 007. James Bond seriously not only contemplates marriage, but early retirement as well. Ian Fleming was also allowed to design his own cover, which, in my opinion, was not an eye-catcher. And when it comes to book design covers, well, you know you want something that would stand out from the rest, right? Ian Fleming continued his day job at the Sunday Times in London, but when he wanted to write his Bond novels, he would travel to Jamaica annually, staying in his home over there, which was called Goldeneye, uh, that was on an acreage on a cliff overlooking a beach. Now, that's an ideal place to be creative in every way, isn't it? He lived on to write 14 Bond books in total. Just like the character James Bond in his novels, Ian Fleming loved to travel. All his novels had Bond traveling to exotic locations, except for Moonraker. Ian Fleming loved Jamaica and thus... Live and Let Die, Dr. No, and The Man with the Golden Gun have settings at the birth country of Bob Marley. Ian Fleming loved cars and had some classic cars that he owned. He loved to golf, and his Royal St. George Golf Club in Sandwich, Kent, is the model for Royal St. Mark's where Bond and Goldfinger fought. He also loved skiing, and that's why we see quite a lot of that in Her Majesty's Secret Service. He loved snorkeling and scuba diving, and we see that in Thunderball. He loved playing bridge, and we see that in Moonraker. And just like his character James Bond, Ian Fleming loved scrambled eggs. But with that said, the James Bond found in the pages of the novel is different from the one that we see on the big screen. But all the more intriguing. Movie Magic with Colin Gomez, Money FM 89.3. So you must be putting two and two together that Ian Fleming actually wasn't living a healthy life, but he did enjoy his life. But not leading a healthy life soon caught up on him. There was a history of heart disease in Fleming's family, and to add to that, his drinking and cigarette smoking didn't help much either. At the age of 53 in 1962, he suffered his first heart attack. And then came another heart attack two years later at the Royal St. George's Golf Club on August 11, 1964. He was rushed in an ambulance to the hospital but still had a sense of humour while he was in the ambulance. His last recorded words were an apology to the ambulance drivers for having inconvenienced them, saying, I'm sorry to trouble you chaps. 
I don't know how you get along so fast with the traffic on the roads these days. Something James Bond might have said. Now, Ian Fleming died the next day, August 12, 1964, which was on the 12th birthday of his son, Casper. Now, can you imagine how his son must have felt? Ian Fleming was just 56 years old. He was buried in the churchyard of Seventh Hampton, near Swindon. Although he had written 14 James Bond novels, he also wrote three other books. One is a children's book, and I'll tell you all about those next on Movie Magic. Money FM 89.3 Movie Magic with Colin Gomez. Ian Fleming, the creator of James Bond, didn't just stick to writing about the super spy but also wrote other books. The Diamond Smugglers in 1957 was the first non-fiction book by Ian Fleming. The book is based on two weeks of interviews Fleming undertook with John Collard, a member of the International Diamond Security Organization which was headed by Sir Percy Silito, the ex-chief of MI5, who worked for the diamond company De Beers. The second non-James Bond book was also a non-fiction. It's titled Thrilling Cities, and it's a travelogue. The book was initially a series of articles he wrote for the Sunday Times based on two trips he took. The first trip was in 1959, in which he traveled around the world and the second was in 1960, in which he drove around Europe. The cities covered by Fleming were Hong Kong, Macau, Tokyo, Honolulu, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, Chicago, New York, Hamburg, Berlin, Vienna, Geneva, Naples, and Monte Carlo. I was hoping Singapore would be in there, but no. People hardly write the travel logs these days, as most people like to use video logs to express where they've been. Now, the third non-James Bond book that Ian Fleming wrote was a children's book. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, The Magical Car is a children's novel written for his son Casper with illustrations by John Birmingham. It was initially published in three volumes, the first of which was released on 22nd October 1964 by Jonathan Cape in London, the same publisher for the James Bond novels. It was the last book he wrote, and he did not live to see it published. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was loosely adapted as a 1968 film of the same name with a screenplay by Roald Dahl and Ken Hughes. The film was produced by Robert R. Broccoli, co-producer of the James Bond series. And now his daughter Barbara has taken over the company and is producing more James Bond movies. Ian Fleming also didn't live to see his other James Bond books that were published after his death. The Man with the Golden Gun, Octopussy and The Living Daylights. Now, there are many James Bond books written by others since his death, and some are very good. And if you're into reading some of these James Bond books, may I recommend Zero Minus Ten by Raymond Benson, Carte Blanche by Jeffrey Beaver, Solo by William Boyd, and Devil May Care by Sebastian Falks. Each author has their own style, but all of them have kept 007 alive, active, and kicking. Kicking butts. Well, I think you can tell that I'm really excited for the next James Bond movie, No Time to Die, and that will be in the theaters real soon. Well, hopefully, it'll be on the big screen, as it's not the same watching it on the small screen. I'm Colin Gomez. And this has been a James Bond special. 
part two on Movie Magic, and today the focus was on Ian Fleming, the creator of James Bond. 